Welcome everyone to a very exciting webinar. It's uh, the first in our installments uh, of meeting the experts. Um, and this is in this installment, we are meeting our two senior Africa specialists, Matt Wise and Peter Felix, known for everyone uh, as just Felix, in case anyone gets confused. Um, and um, uh, we're here today just to learn a bit more about the team. Um, after a weird two years, we've got a few new faces and um, it's a really excellent opportunity just to hear what inspires them, what, what they're um, passionate about and how they go about planning itineraries um, that are these amazing once in a lifetime or multiple lifetime trips. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so, so let's, let's jump, jump straight, straight into, into it. it. Um, Matt, do you want to start by giving us a bit of context about who you are, how you came to travel and your experience here at True Travel? Yes, of course. So I've been in the travel industry for 12 years now. I somewhat fell into it by accident. It started out being a, a part-time gig while I was at while I was in varsity, but eventually it became something I grew more interested in and passionate about. And uh, I guess you could say travels in my blood. My, my mother is, a, is in the same line of work, so I'm following in her footsteps in a way. And yeah, over time, it became something that just became more interesting to me. And, and uh, it married two of my key passions growing up, having grown up in South Africa, I was fortunate enough to visit some of its wild places from a very young age. And I had a stirring interest in, and a stirring passion in Africa's wildlife developed when I was a kid. And obviously travel is awesome and having the ability or the, the being able to travel across the world and sort of see Africa's wildlife, it, uh, it made it a profession that I called home. Yeah. And uh, eventually started so, uh, working, working with more destinations in Africa, Africa East Africa, Africa and then joined True Travel just under a year ago and they've been able to branch out even further into North Africa and yeah that, that's where I am now and it's where I've come from and it's, uh, it's a great <laughs> journey to be on. Amazing thank you and Felix do you want to jump in and do the same? Sure so I'm all, all told I've been in the travel industry 16 years which is probably longer than I care to admit and might reveal my age <laughs> but well, um, We'll gloss over that. Uh, I, I first traveled to South Africa in late 2002 to, to play some golf during that indeterminate period between school and university and was looking for something wholesome to do. And from that, I got to travel around South Africa, go on safari, visit Cape Town, visit Johannesburg. And it stirred, I think at the time, I'd really call it an interest. And I enjoyed, I enjoyed traveling around there. I visited again um, whilst I was at university. And then when I'd left university, as you do, I needed a job and I saw an advert for a South Africa specialist for a local travel company in the paper. And I thought, I'll give this a go. I'll see how it is. And I think I didn't really expect to be in it that long, certainly not this long. But what was a an interest has become something I, I really enjoyed and, and it's become a passion. And I'm delighted to be here. I've been in true <laughs> travel since uh, start of February, having done a number of roles in the industry. And thoroughly enjoying my time and, and working with our fantastic clients and really getting the opportunity to be creative and to help people put together trips to Africa that aren't just purely about the wildlife there's so much to see and yeah. do there which I'll touch on later and, and just <laughs> help make those trips of a lifetime for people yeah amazing thank you both so much now um uh, to keep everyone's interest um uh, it peaked shall we say um because we have uh, we joke in the office that uh, you get these two guys talking about africa and we could be sat here just for the half an hour talking about different types of grass in botswana uh, specifically in one 
small micro region of Botswana. Um, uh, so we're going to start with a quick fire round. Um, I will ask you both. I will ask you both the same question. So um, Matt, do you want to lead with the answer, and then Felix, you can follow after. Um, as I said, short and sweet is what we're going for, please. Um, so Matt, what has been your favourite lodge to stay in so far? It's a lodge called Little Chem Chem, just outside the Tarangira National Park in northern Tanzania. And for me, it's uh, Ambion Sosfle Desert Lodge in Sosfle, those mighty sand dunes in Namibia. Nice. And uh, what's been one of your most standout memories to date? For me, it would have to be gorilla trekking in the windy, impenetrable forest in Uganda. Um, for me, it was a sighting of a pack of 40 wild dog in the Salu Game Reserve in southern Tanzania. Wow. <laughs> um, what's the one thing that keeps you coming back to Africa? Uh, well, my parents live there. Um, <laughs> That's a good reason. <laughs> but uh, jokes aside, it would be nature and wildlife all day, every day. And for me, it's just a variety. No, no two days are the same and no hours really the same in Africa. There's, it's just such a diverse place to be. Yeah, I love the no hours bit. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you could be anywhere in Africa right now, where would you be? I'd be in Namibia, uh, specifically Sarsisfle, but I think Namibia is where I'd like to be at the moment. And Felix? I'd be in Zambia in the Lower Zambezi National Park, and if I was to be really specific, at Sausage Tree Camp. Nice choices, very nice choices. What is one, uh, what's the most recent thing that you have learned about Africa that you didn't know before? I'd say I learned this literally just this morning. Kenya <laughs> is one of the largest exporters of flowers in the world. And that's a one third of the roses, roses sold in the EU. Wow. From Kenya. And, and I learned that um, the Refugee River Delta in Tanzania was a key naval battleground during World War I, um, particularly with the story of the Royal Navy sinking the German battle cruiser, the Konigsberg. Oh, well, that is story. <laughs> that is some history for you. Maybe you're going to have to send around some uh, good reading recommendations to everyone. Um, uh, thank you both. Um, so with, I mean, 28 years of experience between you um, and many, many safaris under your belt, I'm sure more wildlife sightings than you could possibly imagine. Um, uh, there's a lot of experience there. And I think one of the things that's um, probably at the top of people's minds at the moment is really the changes over the last two years that we've seen in travel. Um, Felix, could you tell us what can guests expect um, when they travel to Africa for the first time, perhaps, or um, for a returning time, either this year or next year? What might have changed? Sure. So, I mean, I think for those going for the first time, what I'd say is, is in a good way expect the unexpected. Um, as I touched earlier, no, mm -hmm. you know, no hour, no day is different in Africa. And I think to trust that obviously the process we go through with you, again, which we'll touch on later to get the perfect trip is right. And that those people that you're with on the ground, be it in a hotel or a lodge or a safari camp, they are the absolute experts and they'll manage your time to make your experience absolutely extraordinary. So go with the flow um, and just yeah, let things be because it will be a wonderful experience. Nice. For those old hands that know, well, I think reassuring not a great deal has changed actually. Yes, there's some aesthetic things with regard to COVID testing and airport queues and forms you have to fill in, but realistically that was always a, a factor of life and traveling in Africa anyway, bureaucracy, and I think always will be. But lodges have they've taken the last two years they haven't stood still they've really you know, they've touched the, the lodges up and made them such amazing places to stay and even better they've really upped their game with mm. their food offering their activities as well so 
it's the same experience that you've had in 2019 and beyond, but it's really enhanced to a level that just helps. It's such a competitive industry, the travel industry these days, and everyone's up their game. So yeah. in that respect, just expect what you had previously, but but that little bit better, which is always nice. <laughs> that is always nice to know. Um, what about, um, we got any like conservation uplifts or anything that's happened? So I think the most exciting news we've had recently, and it's probably the most exciting news in, in quite a while actually, is uh, that there is going to be an introdu- reintroduction program, should I say, of both black and white rhino oh. into the Wangi National Park in Zimbabwe. Uh, they were poached out in the 80s so it's been 40 years since they've been seen there and one of the large companies uh, in combination with some charities are are moving a number of these animals um, into the southern and central areas of Wangi which a it enhances the tourism experience there it adds another wildlife viewing string to, mm-hmm. to Zimbabwe's already quite impressive bow but also obviously it's helping to protect a critically endangered animal and just helps to make the country so much more interesting and that as is- I say that is really interesting. So, yeah, fingers crossed that, that all. I mean, it's, it's a long process. I mean, the last relocation process started in 2016 and didn't finish until 2021. So, it, it's an work ongoing to be battle. done. But yeah, <laughs> hugely exciting, and really looking forward to seeing the the fruits of their labours on that. Amazing! It's great to hear positive changes taking place, and uh, definitely makes me excited to get back out there. I have to say, um, uh, it does feel like it's been a while. Now, Matt. Seeing as you grew up in South Africa, uh, you perhaps have observed over the years a much more gradual um, evolution of African travel taking place. Um, what I think one of the things that's you know important to distinguish, you know, perhaps especially for those people who haven't been before, what are some of the key reasons that it has become a destination that guests return to year after year? I think primarily. Travel to Africa represents something that is far removed, completely removed from what people have experienced in their travels to date and certainly in their home environments and their mm-hmm. home countries, especially if they're from a more developed part of the world. And you know, people go on city escapes across the globe and people visit coastal or, or beach destinations across the globe. And there's a strand that joins those types of trips that gives them a commonality when it comes to Africa. There are a few places in the world left that offer the same level of untamed and untouched wilderness. And I think that sense of adventure is what will draw people back time and time again, whether it's first time visitors or people that have, have caught the bug as it were and just keep coming back. Uh, so for me, that's, that's the main yeah. The main thing that draws people back. Added to that, Africa offers incredible diversity when it comes to its landscapes and experiences. Whether you're a wildlife and nature enthusiast like me or into photography, landscape, scenery, food and wine, beach, water, diving, whatever the case may be, there is something for everyone. Yeah. All different types of people, interests and age groups. So it does provide an all-encompassing yeah list of experiences and I think uh, the variety of experiences are huge I mean I think yeah. sometimes we um, uh, have to have those conversations in the office I mean we're obviously apparent and in tune to it but I think often people think of Africa and they very much think in a continent scale rather than a by country and you start breaking it down by country and the number of you know national parks and reserves in each country it, it that doesn't even compare and then you start bringing in, as you say, all the kind of city aspects or the, you know, more kind of um, urban aspects of Mm. these environments. And suddenly you've got a a whole catalogue of experiences worth of enjoying. Mm. Thanks so much, Matt. Um, I am... uh, 
I'd be interested to know when an inquiry first come in, I think sometimes clients know what they want to do and sometimes they, you know, might not have any idea at all. You know, we have people who come with spreadsheets worth of research and some people with, with no experience at all. Um, what is, can you tell me, Felix, a bit more about the process of how you get from someone first reaching out through to actually even when they're, they're back on home soil, not just up until the point of booking, but all the way through the process? Sure. So I think the key point to stress here is that every trip we put together is different. Every client that we have is different. And therefore, every process is different. We're not here to put you in a, for want of a better phrase, cookie cutter trip and therefore a process of getting you there. Obviously, once you've inquired to start with, we will we'll try, we'll get a call with you as soon as we can, whether that's a, a video call, a phone call, particularly if it's a larger group, group, it can be helpful to have everyone on there so we can get everyone's ideas. Mm-hmm. Get an idea of, of what you like in terms of the experiences that you're looking for, where you're looking to go, the types of places you're looking to stay. Uh, equally, the things that you don't like as well, because there's obviously no point in putting putting in experiences in the types of lodges that, that, that are an immediate no for you. Yeah. And then from there, that process allows myself and Matt to put together an initial itinerary for you. And a key point to stress is that that is not a this is the trip you're doing type process. It's this is the first draft. What do you think? Are there elements you like that you don't like? And the whole way through between your inquiry and booking, it's very much a consultative process. We're available, obviously, the majority of you are in the US, there's a time difference, we can make ourselves available in the evenings and weekends, it's not a problem at all. So we're not just going to shut off at, at 5.36 o'clock our time in the UK and not be available till the next day, and go through that and refine that trip with you, answer any questions, make mm-hmm. changes until it's perfect. At that point, we stay very much active in the process. Uh, it's handed over to our operations team, which Molly heads up. And they're responsible for sending out all of your documentation. So you have two points of contact between confirming and between when you depart on the trip. Mm-hmm. What we'll do before you travel, and we have a very nice app where we send out all of your final travel documents in. So you've got everything stored in one place. We'll go through those final travel documents with you. So you're 100% aware of what flight connections you have, what you need to do in specific airports, who and what to look out for when you arrive what your process is when you're in the lodges and if you have any private activities booked how that will work so that you're traveling with 100% assurity that you know exactly what's going on yeah both us and our partners remain available whilst you're away so again if you need to speak to someone they're there and then when you come back we do a detailed debrief on the trip for you take down your feedback Hopefully everything's perfect, but we do appreciate that there are times where things do need to be addressed. It's not something that we hide away from as individuals or a company. We'll go out there and if anything has not been to your satisfaction, we'll make sure it's addressed. And hopefully that that's the point where you're ready to plan your next trip, be it to Africa, to Europe or, or elsewhere in the world yeah. that we specialize in <laughs> and putting you in touch with the correct colleague, yeah. um, obviously who you'll meet through these webinars in due course. And, and keeping you as part of the true travel family, as it were. <laughs> yeah, bringing everyone in-house. Uh, definitely, as as uh, Felix said, we um, uh, will definitely give the opportunity to meet the rest of the team. Um, uh, but bringing us back into Africa, um, uh, it's definitely, I mean, you kind of walk through the process in full there. And, and we really do pride ourselves on having a hands-on approach. Um, uh, Matt, um could you perhaps give us like a little bit of insight on um, the value that really coming to a specialist like yourself or Felix brings to the trip? Yeah, so I think first and foremost, it's uh, 
It's genuine expertise that we offer based on years of first-hand experience. Mm -hmm. uh, you alluded to earlier between Felix and I, it's 27 years doing this between us, it's some other numbers, it's over a hundred lodges visited between us or in the hundreds of lodges visited. It's a thousand in the thousands of game drives and safari activities and probably in the tens of thousands when it comes to air miles between uh, between the UK and Cape Town and the various places in Africa that we that we send guests to. So we've we've seen and done a lot. We know what works. We know that these trips are oftentimes big for some people once in a lifetime trips. Mm -hmm. Very important to get it right. And that granular knowledge is is really what sets us apart and where we can add value. Uh, it's very there's so much choice out there with the number of places to visit, the number of lodges to visit. It can get overwhelming. Being able to dial in on what works and what doesn't work and what the most appropriate solution is for any particular given traveler or group of travelers is, is where we come into our own and where we add tremendous value. Uh, there's a lot of places that look good on paper, but in the ability to separate and to discern between the good and the great is not so easy just by looking at websites and TripAdvisor reviews. And, yeah. and that's where genuine expertise, experience, and knowing where to be, what to do at what time of year, for example, that's a- And making sure you're not falling into any uh, Instagram traps where something's been designed to look great on, uh, exactly, <laughs> on photographs and isn't Exactly, in I read something recently that, uh, uh, Cape Town is a pretty, one example, Cape Town's a pretty windy city. And if you, the reason why it looks so good on Instagram is because you can't feel the wind on Instagram. <laughs> so being able to go to the right place at the right time to avoid certain other conditions, you know, that's, that's, yeah. uh, that's what we come to our too. So yeah. Yeah, adding that value is, I think, key. Something to add to that as well, I think, is the impartiality is we're not tied to any one set of lodges or lodge yeah. brands, and we're not going to push you down that route. As I said earlier, this is your trip. And there's no vested interest in us recommending you lodge eggs over lodge Y for commercial reason. It's about what's best for you. Yeah, I think it's really important because, I mean, it, there's a lot of people who do what we do and say that they do what we do. But, um, of course, in a totally unbiased way, <laughs> no one does it quite as well as we do. <laughs> um, uh, Matt, could you just um, also just elaborate for me? Uh, I mean, you've I mean, you, you could both answer this if you like. Um, uh, with your experience traveling through Africa, what has something that has surprised you or continues to surprise you even after so many visits? I think what always surprises me is the genuine warmth of people across across the continent and wherever you visit. And I guess in a way it shouldn't come as a surprise when operating at the level of the market that we do, but it does always astound me, the warmth, the friendliness, the level of hospitality, the way people go out of their way to make you feel like family. Mm. It always takes my surprise. Uh, it, it's one of the things that I know when my clients visit, it's going to blow them away just as much as it blows me away. And I think that's... Yeah. The that's amount of times we've had clients say, oh, I cried when I left the camp. <laughs> yeah. and, and I think just added to that, just the genuine unpredictability of the bush. There's mm. no, as, as Felix mentioned, no two days are the same, no two game drives are the same. And there'll always be something whether it's a leopard in a particular particular light or a particular sunset, there's always mm -hmm. something that's new, something that's different, and yeah. it's just a constant 
keeps you on your toes constantly, I guess. Yeah. And I think also, I mean, to highlight against that, the variety of um, landscapes across mm. the continent, like talking about that continent scale, you can say, oh, I've been on safari in Namibia, but what you've seen there would be wildly different if you compare it to the Delta. Mm. Um, and that's, you know, two neighboring countries, uh, let alone somewhere that's the other side of the continent. <laughs> yeah, I think on that, again, it's hugely important to remember that Although safari is a huge part of the experience, it's not all about the safari and wildlife yeah. experiences. Most lodges that we work with now, you have the opportunity to interactively see the amazing charity and conservation work that they do, not in a voyeuristic way, but in a very interactive way. You go to Botswana, you've got the chance to go and walk with the sand bush out in the Kalahari Desert, the Kadi Kadi Pans. Cape Town is just a fantastic city, amazing food. So you've got the winery areas around there as well. Mm -hmm. Those are a bit more adventurous. You can see the tribes down in southern Ethiopia. It's just so diverse. It's not all about wildlife. And yeah. you really can get um, five or six incredibly different experiences into a two, two and a half week itinerary. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it, exactly that. I think that's really the beauty of um, uh, the areas that you both specialize in. How lucky for you to get to go and visit them firsthand so that you can make these recommendations. I mean, Felix, leading on from that, uh, do you have any particular must do or must see experiences? I think if, if I were to pin down one, it would be the Okavango Delta in Botswana. It, it's obviously it's so well promoted on National Geographic and on wildlife documentaries and again on Instagram and through social media. And the reality is there's a massive reason behind that in that it is just an incredible destination to go to. The, the variety of wildlife you see and the volume of wildlife that you see, the quality of the camps there, the amazing mm -hmm. landscapes and the variety of ways to see wildlife not just game drives, but the chance to go on guided walks, on boat trips, on Makoro, which are traditional canoe safaris. It, it, it's the death, as I said, it, it's not, Africa's not the kind of place you go to once, but if you were just to go once, I think the Okavango Delta just ticks all of those boxes that you have. If you were just to think of what most people would picture an African safari being, the Delta offers that. You can do sleep outs from a number of camps now as well, so spending a night beneath the stars. So it really just, it encompasses so not all of what Africa's about because it is so diverse, but it encompasses so much what Africa's about in one. I yeah. said the Delta has to be the top of so many people's lists, and rightly so. I think um uh, I think it's also just to touch on what you said. I think the thing about it is that when people think of Africa, if you're a first-time person you've never been before, there is a certain level of uh, experience I think that you're expecting, and I think. The Delta is somewhere where it delivers, it could almost deliver everything that you're expecting in one day. Like you by no means should go, that's not me saying you should go there for one day, but mm. on day one of your however long day safari, that is, you could almost kind of say, wow, this is what I'm expecting. Whereas, you know, there are definitely other regions and destinations where you might have to work a little bit harder, which are really exciting when you have maybe done a couple of safaris or you just are an adventurous person. Um, um, it sounds so wonderful. Thank you, uh, Felix. What could you give me? Um, uh, and then Matt, I'll come to you. But uh, what is one experience that you've had in Africa that has really stuck with you? Me, that was uh, it was a morning about seven or eight years ago in the South Wangwa National Park in Zambia. And we've been doing a sleep out in the dry bed of the Luangwa River the night before. 
and it was sort of a dual experience of I, I got up to walk to the campfire to have breakfast and there were footprints of a big male leopard had walked right through our camp in the middle of the night, which was just to have that. And the guides said, no, everything was fine. And to, to know that that happened was amazing. And, and then as we did a walk after breakfast, we were in a herd of about 20 elephant who were feeding on the banks of the riverbed. And normally you can't walk that close to elephant, but they were so calm. We were so well guided. And the whole process was just, it was so unique to be able to do it. And it was a, a wonderful way to start the day. And I think that's, that's what Africa brings. It's, it's yeah. unique experiences. You don't know what you're going to get. And that was something that will stay with me for a very long time. Oh, has been longing to go. It's a real picture you paint mm. there. <laughs> um, uh, uh, I think, you know, those are probably the most important things about these trips that we're creating. You know, they are all about the memories that you make and bring back with you. Um, uh, Matt, I think one of the things that we probably notice the most, though, is in terms of those experiences, like how they might vary or like how you might consider the differences when you are looking at different types of people who are asking because you know if you're a young honeymoon couple or or an old honeymoon couple if you're a honeymoon couple <laughs> or um if you're a family um or if you are a big family all traveling together maybe grandparents all the way down to children you know the experience you're having is going to vary wildly um how do you go about managing those and kind of allocating the right um experiences for those people yeah well since we don't sell any pre-arranged tours or itineraries felix mentioned the phrase cookie cutter holidays which is one that i like to use too to describe what some other operators do every request is different uh, we start with a blank piece of paper and every itinerary will differ based on individual needs requirements specifications and what have you a honeymoon couple or in an older couple looking for a romantic more secluded type of trip you know we look at lodges where no children are allowed or where there's an age limit of sort of say 16 or 18 and older and sort of pick and choose properties that are most appropriate you know, for larger family groups we often like to recommend self-contained or exclusive use lodges where six or eight people take a place privately by themselves and that creates something of a home away from home experience which when you add that element into the pristine wilderness setting it really creates such a special time uh, particularly for families multi-generational families where these big trips are some of the only times that everyone gets to spend yeah. with each other over the course of the year so it, it's very important to recommend the right thing and pair the right sort of traveler with uh, the right type of trip you know there's art enthusiasts and there's certain hotels and lodges that pride themselves on their collections of contemporary and or african art so that's the right place for them to go there's other other places are on the water with perfect views of the sunsets or sunsetting over a river and for people who are into photography that may be what we what we lean towards that so mm. listening carefully and really ascertaining individual clients and guest preferences specifications interests, hobbies, likes, dislikes, is what helps us pair the right property or lodge or hotel to them. There mm -hmm. is something for everyone. So it's just about making sure we get to the bottom of what people want to do, yeah. and what they want to get out of the trip and what they want to avoid, and then pairing them with the appropriate solution in terms of places to stay. Yeah. And um, do you have any specific, like, as I kind of touched on, we have um, a lot at the moment, actually, of um, 
large family groups traveling I think it must be a post-pandemic fallout um, mm. people have kind of said fine if we can't be together because of whatever we'll get together and we'll go on our trip together and meet up instead do you have any specific recommendations um, of specific lodges that you would be suggesting for that are great for like a group, group of families a group of or a family traveling together <laughs> yeah so I think uh there's a place called Trongwe River House in the Lower Zambezi National Park, which is absolutely perfect. Uh, the Lower Zambezi National Park, it's brilliant because there's a wide variety of experiences. I think when it comes to families, naturally, there's a lot of people. Being able to cater for specific interests is important. Between the fishing, the canoeing, the boating, uh, the game drives, the night drives, the walking, there's something for everyone. Mm -hmm. And in Trongwe River House, is a really unique and fantastic lodge that offers a, a perfect a perfect place for a family to unwind and relax and, and be in the be in the bush for a yeah. few days amazing that would be that would be oh, well everyone that is your inside tip um uh, come come to matt if you want that and felix any uh, suggestions from you i think i'd recommend element villa in cape town uh, which is a private villa next door to a, a very well-known boutique hotel amazing views out over the city and the atlantic ocean it's got the most stunning wine cellar, an amazing collection of art, and it just offers this incredibly refined experience, a great base from which to explore the city, but that caters for everyone from youngsters right up to, you know, to grandparents traveling. And you can do so much from there, um, and equally you can just sit back and relax. You've got a private pool, incredible food, and Cape Town, which works so well as a start or an end point for a trip, it's a wonderful place to start making those memories yeah. on your family trip to Africa weekly to consolidate the experience you've had elsewhere together. So yeah, top, top of my list of a place to stay. Very nice. I like that. Different options as well. Also, I must just add, I haven't paid Felix to say all these nice things about my hometown. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we always have to add that caveat. Matt, Matt has to be impartial. Um, guys, I want to say thank you so very much. It's thank been uh, great to know a bit more about you. I do have one final question just off the cuff for you. Um, it can be in Africa, it can be out of Africa. Um, Matt, I'll start with you. What is the one place that's on your next travel uh, wish list and why? Uh, easy answer, easy question to answer. Mahale in Western Tanzania, having done gorillas, chimps are the next thing on my to-do list. Mahale, Greystoke, it's one of the most iconic and picturesque and sort of amazing looking places on the continent uh, the, the trips there mm. it's not too far from where jane goodall did her research and yeah it's just um wow the place i'm i'm desperate to visit most i think and felix uh, matt stole my, what i was going to say there we've, we've proved how great it is <laughs> I, I i think as an aside to that i'd love to go up to the kafuri national park in zambia mm. um, it is it's an absolutely vast national park it's the size of a small country and it just got incredible diversity there's an area in the north called the Bisanga Plains you can only access for about four months of the year but amazing wildlife mm. viewing up there and again it's going to be part of a hopefully part of a very unique conservation project an animal relocation project in a not too distant future so really exciting times for Zambia's less or least well-known major national park.
Wonderful. Guys, thank you so much. It has been really great. Uh, and um, thank you everyone for joining as well. As always, if you have any questions, Matt and Felix or Matt and Felix um, are both available to speak. Um, no question is too small. No question is too big. Um, and uh, always just get in touch um, if, you if we can help in any way with any plans. Thank you all. Thanks very much. Thank Bye -bye. you.